Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Their Story Matters. Right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com, I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My guests today are Barrette Clemenson-Powell and Erica Ramsey-Bowen. Three-letter name. I'm feeling left out. I've only got two uh, <laughs> names in here. Um, both of them are children's authors. Both of them speak to the African-American child because it doesn't seem anybody else is doing so. When we're looking at the prejudice of, of Black lives, there is this stereotype that goes on and this is what the problem is today it is old patterning old thinking coming from where i don't know 400 years of it i suppose and people haven't seemed to have caught up with the times and to look at people of color with respect with the same equal opportunity the same everything else as everybody else of every color has so we're going to talk about a little bit about the prejudice that's out there today but why both of them want to actually speak to um, the children and giving them a voice, giving them something that they can look at and go, that's me, because most books are written for white children, cute little blonde, blonde, blue-eyed ones, and we don't see children of color having adventures. And of course, her barrettes, her, her wonderful, um, it's Lily, it's Lily, right? Lori. Lori, Lori. Lori Leake, who goes to Paris, and she's and gone Copenhagen. to and Copenhagen, and I, I know there's another one coming up. And and Erica's yours is again. Uh, the little Bayou Fairy, but actually, there's a. I'll, I'll start with that one. The little okay. Bayou Fairy. All right, we'll get into the other one, and and it's all about you know the wonders of what African American children can do. They can see themselves in a different image, and you know we're seeing Barbie going to black dolls, or we're seeing other things happening, but it's not happening fast enough. And what we're seeing with the unrest and the discord that's going on in America right now, which is ricocheting around the world, we're seeing racism, and we're seeing um, injustice. We're not seeing equality, and we have to keep this voice going. Um, it's not something that's the flavor of the month and then we put it away. It is a conversation that needs to happen until the change actually happens. And the two of you were both stepping up and creating that change from the children up. And of course, the parents that read for the children, you know, they change their mindset. They learn something about themselves. It kind of, oh, I wish I had this when I was young. And it, it kind of appeases their inner child. But writing for the child, the African-American child, who is able to achieve anything in life, despite the color, is a wonderful thing to give our children today and our adults. Actually, I wish you would write an adult book about it as well, because I think they need it too. But both of you, welcome to the show. Let's get into this. Erica, I'm going to start with you, love. We did a show recently about your book and, um, and the journey to getting there and everything. But I, you sent me a lovely long blurb, which I would love people to go and read on our posting. Now, I'm not going to read it now because I really want to get into the nitty gritty, but give us your point of view right now and then we'll go to Barrett. The, the, the simple truth that I'm experiencing right now is that we are seeing the exact results of what happens when you 
don't have inclusivity and representation from an early age. And we're seeing a bunch of folks who are feeling persecuted by us raising our voices mm -hmm. and asking for our most basic right. And they're used to seeing a point of view that is primarily of a certain gender, a certain race, a certain religion, a certain physicality, and a certain socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. And anytime we raise our voices, we are quickly told that we're dangerous, that we're violent, that we are destructive, and it becomes this mad melee of hatred. They're not used to hearing the voice or the point of view, period. They're more used to hearing a talking bear's point of view, statistically speaking, than our point of view. Yeah. Yes. Barrett, what have you got to say to that? And this little correction, it's Barrett. Oh, sorry, Barrett. Um, yeah, that's a very true what Erica is saying, because um, approximately 87% of children's books feature as the protagonist, a white boy. Mm -hmm. So out of the remaining 13%, the next highest percentage is inanimate objects and animals. And then we get to girls. And then of course, in girls, then we're, then we're getting, you know, uh, to, uh, it's white girls and then you know it's the percentage of books reflecting uh, children of color be they of African heritage of Latino heritage of Asian heritage of native heritage native get one percent of that remaining 13 percent it's sickening yes it so is. and I think that Erica's absolutely correct I agree that what we're seeing what we're seeing right now um, is it, it is the consequences. The chickens have come home to roost. Mm -hmm. The fires, the cities are burning because the matches were lit with the racism mm -hmm. that has just been perpetuated over and over and over again and reflected in the lack of diversity in children's books. Mm -hmm. um, and so therefore in school and what, what we're teaching we're raising white children to believe that they are superior. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, and, what, and, but you're also, and, you're, you're raising black children to believe they are inferior, inferior. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it's like, where is the representation for them? And, you know, it is so sad that a parent has to talk to their child that if you come across any police, put your hands up and say, I'm not carrying a weapon. I'm not dangerous. You know, that a child has to do... No that. white parent has to have no. the talk. No, with, no. With their child. <laughs> yes. And, you know, there was a picture in one of the riot things with peaceful protesters, and there is a cop with a gun in a child's face. And another child who, who got the, um, the, you know, the spray stuff in the, in the eyes. The, the hysteria gathers momentum, and fear is stirred up, and we know where it's stirred up from. It's really being power and authority. Yes, absolutely. This is, this is power and abuse of power and authority. Abuse yes. of power and authority. Yes. And it's like we know the soldier has to follow, you know, um, the duty. Um, anybody in uniform has meant to have a code of conduct. But one of the things I think they forget is they're here to serve and protect their own people. And what we've seen is a demonstration of turning against our people. And so a young child growing up, not only are they absolutely shoot scared, 
you know, to go to school, to go and do anything, because we've seen plenty of deaths of children as well. They are scared about what their future may hold. Are there any opportunities for them? Can they pursue this and pursue that? Or are they always going to be judged by the color of who they are, shot first and ask questions later? And it's a time that, as I said, we can't talk anymore. We really, really have to get into action, as I say, actionism. This has, like with the Me Too movement, we didn't just stop, we keep it going. This has got to be the African-American movement if no more. 400 years is enough, thank you. You're not going to tolerate it even for another year. And that conversation has to be there. And our children are so perceptive. They are incredibly insightful. And so if we can address the children right now in their beautiful voices where we're empowering them, they will be that next generation of empowerment, which is what we need. Hey, Erica. Amen. I will also share something too that happened. So I'm in Louisiana. I'm staying with my mother. Uh, and I'll tell you in a moment something interesting and overlap is happening right now with my stepfather who was key in the civil rights movement in Chapel Hill. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But I'm staying with my mother and I was on a call, a conference call Wednesday morning with a group that I trust a group that I do a lot of philanthropy with. They said nothing. Mm -hmm. They are primarily Caucasian. Mm -hmm. It was an early morning call. And the call, I thought, at least maybe my friends who are the allies in the group would maybe say something. Let us address the elephant in the room. Let us maybe host a peace forum for our community. Maybe we can start the dialogue going. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can be the ones that can take a little step. They talked about pools. When are the pools going to be open, guys? I, I have no tolerance for this anymore. No. I don't I have either. no tolerance for it anymore. And I, I, I mean, I, I mean, to my, to my white friends and associates, if you don't open your mouth now and say something and say the right thing, I really don't want to associate with you anymore because I haven't any more time in life to spend promoting racism because that's all that does silence promotes yeah. racism yes oh you're educating people you know as i said there are there are some people that may have said something in one way meaning no harm at all and they're jumped on and i think instead of jumping on them why not educate them as to it do you understand that that phrase means this and then when they actually understand what they've said, it's like, oh, no, no, I didn't mean that at all. Then instead of making a statement, how about you ask the question and listen to the African-American community? Oh, what do you need from me? What can I do to be there for you? Right? Guide us in what you need. And even if it's just a, the support. Another, there's something else, though, in the education, on the education comments, Sarah. And if you read, you will find that there are many people saying what I'm saying. We've spent many years in the United States of America educating, and that's part of the racism. Mm -hmm. We've spent many years educating whites. We're spending our precious time and stressing ourselves out educating white people Then, when there's plenty of material for them to read. They're choosing not to read the material. They're choosing not to learn it. So, Right. I don't spend my time educating someone. Right. I will just tell them that what they said is racist. And if they want to know why, there are plenty of books they can go and read 
I, the first thing I will recommend one book to them now, and then they can take it from there. And that book is White Fragility. That's the book I recommend. Go get it, read it from cover to cover, then come back to me with whatever it is you want to say. Right. Do you know that book, Erica? Yeah. And actually I was going to chime in with Barrett because if they have watched any kind of media in the past week, which I assure you they have, yes. that book has been left, right, and center. There's no way you can miss that book. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to be number one for forever on New York Times bestseller <laughs> list. So you're absolutely right, Barrett. You're right. It, Hello, could you not fly a Zeppelin with a giant message on the side? I don't know how another <laughs> way you can say it more plainly. There it is. They the even have a whole list they put up. Yeah. It's not the responsibility of the African-American, yeah. the Latina, Latinx, um, uh, the, the Asian American, the Native American. It's not our responsibility to educate white Americans, white people, Euro, Euro people. It is not our responsibility to educate you anymore. There's plenty of material for you to learn if you really are wanting to change. Yes. If you really are wanting to do something, um, there should be more, there should be more, there could even be white children's authors writing books featuring children of color. Yeah. And how about the white editors, most of whom are men, yes. um, <laughs> who are, are not publishing the books. Right. Like and me. Yeah, exactly. Or, or I'm not going to say names, they find a celebrity who happens to have mocha skin, a celebrity, mm -hmm. and they've written a children's book. And right. aren't we so generous because we're promoting this diverse book now, y'all. We're mm -hmm. woke. We have a celebrity that is of color that we're going to promote their book. Yeah. You are still. That makes me so crazy. Yeah, stage opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing is, nothing changes without the voices. You know, I mean, as again, I'm going back to the Me Too movement because the Me Too movement has changed a great deal. It's yes. held a lot of people accountable that that behavior is not acceptable anymore. And with this movement right now, unfortunately, the violence is the excuse for the government to, to, to escalate. So you see what I mean? But when you look at the looting and the violence, how many white people do we see doing it? And conveniently, they're not, you know, not covered at all. A lot of the violence is actually the police. This yeah, is it. Actually, yeah. there's video of the police are actually initiating the violence. Yes. They are shooting rubber bullets. You know what a rubber bullet is or a foam bullet? It's a metal bullet covered with foam or rubber. And it is designed to be shot in the leg, not in the forehead where they're right. shooting, the not in the eye where they're shooting people, not in the face, not in the chest. And it is the police who are doing this. They are rubber and tear gas. Yes. Passing peaceful protesters, preventing them from demonstrating in front of the White House, which is where they have a right to protest. Oh yeah, but, but not only that, pushing them out of the way so somebody can go with his little Bible that's probably been held upside down and say, look how godly I am. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, by the way, I'm going to set the army on you. That's yeah. not a Bible, he has Moby Dick in the cover. In, in gear designed to fight a war. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. It's yeah. shocking. I, I will tell you, my, I, my place, um, half of it is glass. On uh, the other day on the weekend, I heard all this noise. I was, what's going on? I walk over to the window. I see a massive crowd of people peacefully protesting coming down the street. Suddenly from the side are police cars, mm. sirens going, lights flashing. And I look up and there are police helicopters mm. overhead. 
I said, what? they're peacefully protesting. Yeah. And the response was so violent. Yes. And, and, and uh, Cameron, isn't America the land of the free? Where you're meant to have free speech? Or is that only applied to a certain percentage? Yeah, that's, that's the way it is right now. It, it really is. And it's, it's, it's stressful. And it's very sad. I come from a mixed family. And so the emotions that it just roils up. Yeah. And, and, and what's going on? Because I know this does not have to be. Right. Yeah. And uh, we're making excuses for it. And those excuses don't, don't buy anymore. Um, you know, 70% of the people in the, in the incarcerated are foster children. And a huge percentage of that are black. Why? No, they're not bad. They've been brought up without opportunity. They've been brought up with persecution. They've been brought up to believe there'll never be anything, or they've been brought up without the love and the caring and the guidance. And for those that have been brought up with that, they may be living in areas that are poverty-stricken that doesn't allow them to, to grow or, or go any further. The, the whole system is wrong. And, you know, a lot of what we're looking at is poverty and not only, um, you know, black people have poverty, everybody has poverty. That's, that's, that affects everyone. But it's like, why are we not, you know, did the, um, our Forgotten Children series. And why are we not investing in our children from the moment they're born, which means investing in their parents to make sure there's a stable environment for a child to grow up in, to make sure that there, is, that there are jobs for those parents, to make sure that they've got the support and the nurturing of their child, the feeding and, and the educating and the health of a child. If we start supporting families, we're not going to see so much of what is out there right now. And what is out there right now is because you've been labeled, you've been pushed once aside, you've been told that you're only going to grow up bad and you're thrown away before any opportunities even happening. Erica? Sarah, goes back to slavery too. And Erica, I'm yeah. sure knows about this. They would basically separate the males out. And this is what incarceration is doing and yes. has done. It's and taking homelessness. males out, yeah, of, yes. out of the African-American homes and out of the, the Latinx homes. It's taking the males out so that you're breaking down the families. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're uh, homeless shelters for the majority of them. Mm -hmm. If you have a family, they will not allow, most of them will not allow the, the father. And if there is a son who is of 12 or older, he's considered an adult, is not allowed in the shelter. So, so where do they go? That's a very good question. That's one of the major questions that we deal with in Atlanta. And I actually know of only one shelter, or actually two, that will take in all kinds of, of uh, marital arrangements. But what's the excuse though? If these people, it's homelessness or, you know, shelter and helping them get back on their feet. What is the excuse? What's this division? I don't it's understand. What are preventing like rape and, and molestation? But then again, there's a, a stigma because there are shelters where it's, it's a family shelter and you yes. can keep families together. But there's, that's not the key interest, obviously, or else they would all be that way, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so. I mean, I mean, let's look at the prison system for a start. It is privately owned. So the more people well, they can yes, get in there. Privately owned. That yeah. is a big business. That's a big no, no, no. And it should never be. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, by being privately owned, all they just want is numbers. 
just squeeze in as many as we can. We're not going to rehabilitate. We don't care what goes on. Uh, and uh, it's all money gain. And I'm saying to your 1%, take your money and invest it back in the communities, which of course, under your current leadership, you are not going to see any of that. Just the 1% has got richer and everybody else is getting poorer. You know that I, I have lived uh, many years. I lived in uh, Denmark. How the prison system operates there is people who are incarcerated actually have privilege to go home for the weekend and spend the weekend with their family and report back to prison on Monday. And they return. Wow. Yeah. They're not dehumanized yes. through being incarcerated. They are isolated through incarceration. They are, of course, isolated from family and friends. They don't have they don't have the freedom that they had when they weren't incarcerated. But they are not dehumanized. And we don't we don't do that. Here, here it is. It's it's too dehumanized. So then you've got, you know, you've got black men getting out of prison after 10, 20, 50 years, what in the world are they going to do with a few dollars in change you give right. them and you stick them in a halfway house? You've literally destroyed their life. Yes. And that was the intention. Yeah. There's a guy that in America's Got Talent right now, and he had been 37 years in jail, wrongful uh, conviction. Three people said they witnessed for him. They just wanted to close the case. Black men, he did it. Off they go. And it's only through DNA that they found out that it wasn't him. 37 years. That's an entire lifetime in jail. And how many more are there? All right. And it's just because somebody wants to put that notch in the belt next. And they're not looking. When The trouble is we're not looking at justice. We're not no, looking at due diligence. We're not looking at any, at any of that. You know, a, a police person will look at a black person. You're guilty before proven innocent. And this is, we really have to look at the whole thing behind the police and the army. There needs to be a lot more psychological testing because we're seeing so many people bullies in uniform. And I have a friend whose son, he, she knew and, and I could see, he was a very angry individual, extremely angry individual. And I am actually very glad he tried in this city and in Las Vegas to get into the police department and didn't pass the Good. strike. Yeah, we don't need that anger out there. I'm so happy mm. because it would have been yet another very angry white male who would just, I mean, there, there, I just know there would have been an incident. That's why, I say, that's why I'm, I'm writing Lori Lee Travels to Paris and Lori Lee Travels to mm. Copenhagen and working on, I mean, I'm working on another one which got interrupted because of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, where she will be um, celebrating Passover, Pesach. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm doing this because we need to be giving children from the very start a view of the world really as it is, that there are other people who are different than us, who have different traditions, who you know look different, do different things, live in different places, and we need to realize they are human just like us. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and that's even, I'm Jewish, by the way. Um, oh, that's awesome. And someone actually said to me, so why, why does she have to, the character, why, why does she have to, you know, have a, a celebrate Passover? And I said, why not? 
Right. I mean, how many children's books do we even see about Jewish children? Oh my gosh. I can't think of one. Right. Right. And, and, and you're celebrating and honoring your own DNA. Right. It's, 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 it's stunning to me that this is, that this is not happening, but I'm going to make it happen. That's my, that's, that's my calling in life. When I die, there will be 50 Lori Leak books. <laughs> and yes. she will be all over the place showing that people look different, sound different, have different traditions. You know, it's very important to me to do that. She's going to make it to Atlanta. She's <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Atlanta. <laughs> your book, just say a little bit about your book for the people who haven't listened to our past show, Erica, um, because I do please go back and listen to all the shows I've done with them beforehand. There's a lot to learn from them. I'm very humbled to be on here with Barrett because I'm a newbie and I'm self-pubbing the first one, but it was a cool story because last year, this time, as a matter of fact, I successfully ran a Kickstarter to fund it. It's called the little Bayou fairy. It started with my own childhood of never seeing a girl like me. And then my little niece came, came along during the Harry Potter era. And she says, I, Auntie E, why aren't there any little girls out there, you know, making magical things happen in the South and in America? And I was like, still, we're still here? Oh, crap. Yeah. And then, you know, put it, put the story in a drawer, let it rot for a while. And then I read that lovely infograph that always comes out, you know, that shows the diversity statistics. And I, I felt enraged for the first time in my entire life. I'm a late bloomer. It takes a while. I'm 40 bloomer. And so it took me that long to kind of, grasp 40 something years on this planet still no books about little girls having adventures who are of color are you kidding me and i just lost so that's when the kickstarter started and it funded it shouldn't have funded we don't normally have books that fund well we as african americans on crowd funding platforms but it did despite my ham-handed attempts to sabotage myself. <laughs> and I had a really good tribe. I called Team Fairy. Shout out to Team Fairy. <laughs> the most beautiful group of people you've ever met. Diverse as all get out, and they're all pro-fairy. In fact, the coolest thing that ever happened out of that whole experience of running into one of them was I was at a barbecue, and there was this huge, burly veteran with all the, like, you know, the special force tacks up and down, and he's, and he's eating meat and everything, and he sees me across from the campfire and he goes, Team Fairy! And I was like, ah! And I was like, okay, yeah, who's that? Okay. So it's a beautiful thing and it's about to come out and I'm so psyched and excited. And guess what, Barrett? It has a treasure hunt in it, girl. We have a treasure hunt, girl. There's riddles in it that you have to solve oh, to get a treasure. It's featured yeah. in the book and it's cool. You know, it's the book we always wanted. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the thing. You're writing the books that you would have loved to have read. Yes. Right? You know, I mean, I'm obviously a white woman and I was brought up in England, but I had 11 years in South Africa. I used to constantly get into trouble with the police because I spoke to a black person, you oh know, taboo, taboo. And, um, and, you know, eventually I left because I couldn't stand the apartheid thing anymore. But it, the, the, the thing is with me growing up, it was, you know, um, Enid Blyton and uh, Famous Five. And, and I remember when first a, a black girl came to school and I hadn't seen anybody of color before. And it is, I remember her name, Pamela Brown. And she had the same thing as we, both of our fathers had died when we were young. And we became very good buddies. And I will say, I don't ever make connections with people because of their color. Right. I'm for me, it's who are you? Why are you? Where's your heart? 
If your heart's in it, I don't care. You could be polka dot. It really, for me, doesn't matter. But what you're bringing to the table is your spice, right? You're bringing your culture. You're bringing a different way to look at something. And then when we look at the whole Schmokers board, wow, isn't this exciting? Look at all the different cultures here that we can learn from, that we can dabble in. And that's, why can't we be excited about that? It's the love. I love the, I love the love in your voice when you speak of your work, Barrett. And that's the key. The communication of the love and appreciation. And like I said before in our last podcast, Sarah, I love the fact that I'm a curvy black woman. I love my, my horsey hair. I love my crazy ethnicity that looks like gumbo recipe. You know, I mean, the American story. Just loving ourselves. And that's, I mean, also when I, when I do these books, um, you know, I want people to see this African-American family and that they just do normal everyday things Mm -hmm. like travel yeah Uh, you know and it's it's important for those kinds of things to be seen um and i think that's what a lot of we're seeing in these protests right now is it's the saying hey i want you to see me i want you to see who i am not just my color this well, is my I vessel. Look, let me inside. But it is saying, I want you to see my color. I but not want stop there and make a judgment. Look further in. I'm human and I am creative and I am just like you. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, you know, but we look at children and there's a wonderful video of, of I think it's two dads. Uh, the children are coming to meet a little white child, little black child, running and just hugging each other and loving each other. Uh, what do they know? You know, it's, I love this child in front of me. And that's, that's it. And it just shows us that the prejudice and the racism is taught. And it's not just taught by family. It's taught in schools. And it's very much evident in politics and, and, and just even in the streets. So a child may grow up and have no issue. And then that issue is opposed upon them. And very often they don't understand why, but they're just going to go down that road because nobody has else has told them there's any other way. And so we really, in schools, this has to be talked about. Um, and, and, you know, right now, Black Lives Matter because you guys have been persecuted and killed and everything else. Right. Obviously. And, to, and, and I got an interesting email from someone. Um, they wrote it to, I'm on their mailing list for its church. And, I, and this was an, or, uh, a minister. He wrote it to the entire church. And I read it. And it was a letter to the entire congregation, which is a wealthy, white, upper middle class con- congregation telling them black lives matter period we're not going to get into all lives matter because your white skin has given you privilege your entire life he had to actually write this in a letter he said black lives matter period that is what the burning cities is about right and i was really glad to read that email because you have people pop up, oh, all lives matter, or, or police matter. No, it's about black lives matter. This is matter. what's on the table right now. We have, to tell yeah. you, we have to tell you that we matter because you are consistently trying to destroy black lives. Yeah. Yes. Or negate us. Yes. Yeah. If we don't, if you don't 
see or acknowledge us, acknowledge us, you know, that's almost as effective, the negation of that, that presence. Mm-hmm. So I was about to add to the story that I started earlier about the being on that call and I'm sitting there shaking my head like, here we are about the pool. And I burst into tears. Now, here's something you should know about me. I don't cry. Like you could just, I just never have been a crying person. And it's not because I'm callous. I just don't go there mm-hmm. usually. And I just burst into tears. And I'm at my mama's house. So she hears me. That mother hearing. She's all yes. <laughs> always she comes in and she's like, what's up? And I was like, I'm so frustrated, mom. I said, for the first time in my life, this is how I feel. I, I get it now. This is, this is actually weird that I'm actually now, really now feeling this right now. And she looks at me and she goes, okay. And, and I go, I'm going to quit this organization. And she goes, Oh, ho, 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 no, you don't. You're going to show up and you're going to show out. She's like, yeah. you're going to stay in there and be a thorn in their backside until kingdom come. Yes. And when she said that I snapped out of it. Right. I went, you're right. If I'm not at the table, where's the change? I'm my arms around like this. Yeah. So they finally do see me. And then I'm not doing anybody any, any, any favors by disappearing. I'm doing them a favor. The by disappearing. Is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So mom, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it, you know, um, uh, I, uh, one of my rabbis said to me, um, when I was converting, um, something to the effect about, you know, um, that because I would be joining the fact that I am black with Jewish and, you know, all the persecution that Jews have faced Mm -hmm. down through history, which continues until today. And I said, doesn't bother me. I said, because I said, I, I, I said, there's nothing for me, nothing for me to hide. I said, I walk into a room and they know I'm black. So I've never had the privilege (laughs) of hiding who I am. So who I am is right there on the table when I walk in. So if I need to add to it, hey, and by the way, when you're thinking that, think about the fact that I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. So if it blows their mind, mm-hmm. it blows their mind. Yes. But it's, I'm like, I'm not hiding it. This is who I am. And I am proud of who I am. And I have always been like that anyway, that, hey, this is me. And if you don't like how brightly I'm shining, you'll have to leave the room. But yeah. isn't, isn't that, you know, despite color at the present moment, isn't that what we're teaching everybody, what we're trying to, and certainly on self-discovery media, this is what we're talking about all the time. You know, in your own self-discovery of how absolutely wonderful you are, how strong you are, how courageous you are, how gifted you are, you know, what you have to give to the world, that is our life journey, no matter who we are. Um, but when you have a person who is then of color and is being told this, especially a woman, Double whammy, not yeah. Jewish. Three yeah, whammies. Yeah. Right? So like, I got the church. I got this like a you know triple threat walking in the room. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But that that is you know as we're seeing with the Me Too movement, the women are, are stepping up and taking power, and they're not shooting down the men. We're just saying all those practices that you were taught along the way, we're telling you is wrong, and we won't accept them. And if you honor us, you change the way you treat us. And I think that is the same dialogue right now towards black people, right? Is you need to say to them, treat me with respect, treat me as an equal. 
whether I'm a woman, whether I'm black, whether I'm Jewish, whether I'm polka dot, treat me as a human and being. I think we're not asking anymore. We're no. saying yeah. you will. Mm. You will treat me with respect. You will treat me with dignity. Oh, buzz off. We're just demanding. <laughs> we are yeah. just demanding our right to be treated as equal human beings. And yes, I know we've all, all three of us here, you know, in, in, in this uh, Zoom room, we have all dealt with how we have been disrespected mm -hmm. as women, mm -hmm. um, not given positions, not given, you know, not given this or that thing or pushed aside or not paid as well. And sexual harassment, sexual none of that. Harassment, yeah. You know, all of those, all of those kinds of things. I remember it was probably about six months ago. I don't know why I was thinking about it, but always analyzing something. I actually sat down and took the time. I don't know what made me start on it, but I thought about and realized and counted, sat down and counted and wrote down all the times I've actually faced sexual threat and harassment throughout my life. And it took me back to the age of six. Uh, six. A story far too often told. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the guy, the, the swimming teacher at the summer camp, mm -hmm. the away summer camp, who took me out into the middle of the pool so I would have to hold on to him with my arms and legs so that I wouldn't drown, or so he thought. Right. I beat the mess out of his face until he <laughs> let me go, and then I froggied back over to the <laughs> Good for you. I said, call my mother. <laughs> oh, good for you, Spirit. Yes. But I'm six years old. I mean, and their mother, you know, incidents, and thankfully I never have, you know, have been raped. But there was, I mean, there were, yes, it could very well have happened. And just that I should never have had to face those kinds of things. No. No child should. And again, on Forgotten Children, there's a many, many a time I've interviewed as a, people. As a young woman, as a, yeah. I mean, just mm -hmm. your sexuality, you know, ends up getting affected in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sexuality then ends up having to enter into spaces and places where it shouldn't, no. such yeah. as a job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, that kind of abuse, you know, however much you work through it and everything else, there's always triggers. There's always something that will bring it back. You're more equipped to deal with it, but it, it always stays with you. And, uh, you know, it's not a question where well, you should get over it by now. No, it changed the chemistry. It changed you and uh, made you kind of maybe something different in life, uh, maybe a little distrusting. You're right. So the thing is, uh, when people put those barriers around us, we do it for a reason. And, you know, whether you've been raped, whether you're a person of color, you are going to be careful how you are around people because you don't know, you know, if, if there is something going to go on there. And a lot of it is, but she smiled. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, the smile is an invitation. Or the clothes she wore. Or, yeah. 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 Or she was out at that hour. What yes. Doing that hour? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So again, we're talking double standard. A guy can go and do anything, but a woman can't. And then, of course, um, obviously, you are prostituted. You're black on top of that. Ten years ago, that man pushed her against the wall and shoved his fingers in her vagina. She should get over it. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Trauma, folks. Trauma, and that stays with you. Yeah. Please understand that stays whole, with you. The, the the trope of being the angry black woman. Because mm. there will be people who will look at this interview and say, oh, yeah, those two black women, yeah, yeah, they were, they were, they were so angry. Oh, they were so afraid. Yeah, was, uh, 
Yeah, I'm in. You know, be really fun, Barry. Is we I'll, just go I'll ahead and make our preemptive list now of all the crazy that we're gonna hear. Yeah. <laughs> we know what it's gonna be. It's gonna okay. At this time, they're gonna say, "Oh yeah, she's angry. She don't love men." Da 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 da. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's just make yeah. the list now. Here's take your pen. Love men. I absolutely, positively love, love men. But you give me crap. Yes. Hand it back to you. Yeah, and who cares what color you are? You know, just zero tolerance yeah. of disrespect. And, and, and asking uh, for basic things like the, 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 the poor man, the, the birder, who said, please put your dog on a leash. Yes. Was it, you know, and then calling the police. She says, I'm going to call the police and tell them there's an African American man here threatening me. I know. Uh, unfortunately, since then, she's been shamed into apologizing, but you've already done the damage. Yeah, no, I don't even, that apology, yeah. 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 I mean, but it's, um, I, I will openly admit my mum was racist, but she was, you know, she would be a hundred now if she was alive. And she's from that era where they were taught total segregation. She was a white woman brought up in India. Father was a colonel in the Indian army. And she was taught the separation and the white supremacy. And my own daughter, who was, I think, 10 at the time, pointed out, Grandma, you're racist. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and Grandma's kind of, you know, taken back because she didn't realize what was coming out of her mouth was racist. And because that, that was just obviously the climate that she was brought up in. But now we see so much out there. There is so much conversation out there. There is so much topic out there. We cannot say, I can't see, I can't hear. It's in your face. And yeah. it's going to stay in your face until you change it up, which means we've got to change our perception. We've got to be more, um, not only courteous, but more understanding of what are we saying? Is it offensive? Right? Are we uh, uh, including or discluding? Educate yourselves. I'm, yes. I back at what we were saying at the very beginning. Educate yourself. That is what every white American needs to do is educate themselves about their racism. They just need, they just need to go do it, just plain, plain and simple. And for me, I'm going to continue with the writing of the books because that is my way of being able to fight in, back in this, in this terrible situation to, so that these books are out there so that children can see them, yeah. can see themselves. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. That's the way that I, because my gift is in writing, my gift is in communicating, my gift is in speaking. So that's the way that I'm going to, you know, pursue it. That's the way that I'm going to do it and keep, you know, do the Kickstarter. Yeah. Yes. Do yeah. Get yeah. That because we should get funded. Yes. No, I mean, so I this is, yeah. Out. I got to give a shout out to a white woman who helped actually two white women who helped cycle the Kickstarter forward. No, three, I'm sorry, match <laughs> number three. The first was the person, Nadine Desheen, who called me on day two of the Kickstarter and said, honey, your Kickstarter is gonna fail. I said, how do you know that? She says, you have no presence on social media at mm -hmm. all. Everything's being hidden because of the algorithm. She then yes. ticked off a list of things I had to do and I'm writing furiously and she was right on every regard. Mm -hmm. I retooled everything and it saw a lift. Second thing happened. A woman named Lisa Furland, who was originally from Atlanta, who's a white woman now living in Sweden, she put my name on a blog as one of the top 10 Kickstarter lists, uh, published children's books. I don't know Lisa, mm -hmm. but Lisa took up my torch for me, mm -hmm. you know, sister, right. 
And then the last thing that happened was another Lisa, who I don't even know, but she knows my husband, came out and said, girl, let me give you another level to add out there. She threw out some book pillow ideas. I was like, what's a book pillow? She's like, just, just hang with me here. The wonky donkey, just hang with me. Another <laughs> lift. That's how he did it. Yes. Because we have to have allies. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Where are our allies? I mean, I have some. I do, I do have some, and I'm, I'm very, very, very thankful for them. But we do. We need white people who are willing to be allies, and that means taking action, mm-hmm. using your power, using mm-hmm. your white privilege, and promoting us and putting us out there and saying, hey, I know this person who's writing this book, who's starting this company, who's making this app, who's whatever, to, to, to get us out there, to put us out there. Um, it's, there has to be, the change has to really come from within and it really has to be active. I think this, what's going on right now is going to go on for a long time because people have just, and remember, these trials are, are going to be happening for a good year. Mm-hmm. So this is not going to quiet yeah. down. But, but, but it, it's rather like, you know, even with and going to the COVID, you know, it wasn't something that a couple of weeks and everybody goes back to, to think. I mean, you're, you're going to now have a second phase of COVID in America, and that is going to be exponential. Right, and you know, we're still keeping our borders closed here in Canada. We we haven't had any new cases in weeks, probably even in a month here in BC, and we're doing very well on that because we were very diligent in staying home and doing everything else. But you've still got some people who think it's a hoax. You still got people deny that you know, uh, oh, this is out. Nobody's dying. It's just propaganda, right? And 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 saying all kinds of things. And again. I find myself, when I hear that come out of someone's mouth, I just move away from them. Me I don't too. But, but, that, but that's my point, is that for people who are unwilling to see the facts for themselves, there is nothing you can say or do. Mm-hmm. And you've got your white supremacists out there. I call them the bleach blondes, I'm sorry, um, or orange. It depends who they're following. And they are proud to be racist. You know, and it's there is. The thing so is, cute. is they take pride in it. They do not ever think about who yeah. are they hurting, right? And they don't realize that they're actually hurting themselves while they're hurting someone else. But I'm afraid they're either just too thick, or they don't care, and they're that certain dimension of energy that is never going to get it. And you don't waste your time on them. You yeah, speak you to the people that are asking time, questions that are willing to, to know. Short. COVID is showing us time yes. is short. How many people have that? I've had people in my family have gotten it. Yes. Have fortunately survived. Yes. But that is unusual in this. Same. Especially but, as, no, as African-American that, because that, we know it's hitting you guys even more. Contracted it. Um, you know, and, and wow, you, you can't, you can't imagine the feeling was like, oh my gosh, am I going? So every conversation that I have with a family member, it ends with, I love you because I want the last thing I have said, if this is the last time that I ever have contact with them, I have a friend living in another country. Um, and She's actually sick right now. She's not been feeling well for a couple of days. I'm calling every day. Hi, how are you? How are the symptoms? What do you got? What's going on? 
you know, and I tell her I love her at the end of the conversation, just because I'm just checking to make sure, see how she is. It could be a cold. It could, you know, whatever. I don't know. But, you know, you but never. This is, this is actually what I think the gift of the COVID is in many ways. Yes, we have too many deaths. Um, that is always something extremely sad but at the same time we actually have to look at it as a gift of time in the isolation it's been a time to reflect and review and renew but in things having to take a long time in order to go back out in things being done differently not the same old norm a new norm in people being more cognizant and not only of the hygiene but of distancing and the way they treat other people that change because it's taking a while to do and it's still got a good few months to go we are changing some systems around that are better for us for our planet and awareness for each other the black movement is going to take that kind of time as well but it needs to be not the angry but the constantly do not forget us we're still here we're not going to wait for another death to to get up and protest again we're here every day Every day educating, every day inviting, every day making those changes. Because COVID is here every day and it's taking its time. Why don't we look at the same thing and go, it's going to take time for people to understand the persecution that you're going through, to change the way they treat you, the way they, uh, they interact, um, to be aware of, you know, I, I haven't hired any black people. I haven't even thought about that. You know, is right, it well, your prejudice? Why? Why don't yes, you exactly. This is the time for reflection, yeah. right? So take that time to reflect and go, is this something you grew up with? Is it just a, there aren't many black people around you? And how about you step out and, and approach a black person and say, you know, I don't know much about the black community, but would you share, please, with me some of your culture, right? It's right. just stand tall with people. Interesting thing here with the hygiene um, and being... You know, for so many people, of course, in the um, prejudice against people who are Jewish, one of the things is in Judaism, there's a very big focus on hygiene, mm -hmm. washing, mm -hmm. yeah. eating kosher. Clean. Okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So, and now, so what are people doing? Yeah. Now, <laughs> now they're focused on it. Okay. Yeah wash your hands multiple times during the day know where this meat is coming from how it was killed how it was processed um this is all yeah. yes stop walking around with blinders and blinkers right, right. You know, i mean you, if the oh the war on COVID. you know you've been asked to stay home which is a gift to be with your family or just time to reflect on yourself or do some things that you never seem to have time to do right there are no drones at your door there's no bombs being uh, put on you it's a different thing if you're out in the street of course you're black you're guilty right shoot you <laughs> first right i mean that's They're like go ahead go to jail yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and this is the right. mentality that has to change but why we're in this time period where you're about to get shut down again because of the next wave of covid this is the time on all the zoom on all the facebook's and on the linkedin is to have a conversation and even reach out to someone every day uh, that is of white color and say okay let's have a conversation keep it going i don't want to see another black person being killed, another riot, and um, we're going to be out there again seeking for justice. I want this to be the time for the justice. This is the sad thing, is we will be. Yeah. We, we, this is the sad thing, is that we will be. 
The thing is, I think we're going to have to sustain the outrage because we mm. will be. It, it is going to continue until we begin to have laws that- Yes, yes. That human, the whole system has to change, yeah. Um, police accountability. Yep. Um, we need to be able to see that this officer has had a history yes. of this. We need to be able to see all the things that are relevant in, in relation to these incidents that are occurring. Um, we need to also have rules and regulations. You don't snatch the mask off of someone. Police oh, no. officers are snatching the mask off of African-American protesters. I mean, come on. Oh no, there was a guy, that, a black guy that was kicked out of a grocery store for wearing a mask by yeah. the police. Yeah. No, you're covering up, you're, you must be yes. doing something so bad. You know, and then there's other places, if you're not wearing the mask, they fine you or shoot you or do something else. I mean, you can't win, that's the problem. So, so in Atlanta, in Atlanta proper, when they started talking about wearing the mask, we all went, oh dear God, no. Yeah. If you're a black male, just pick one. You're just gonna pick, shoot. Yeah. What are you gonna do, man? The yeah. moment you put that mask on. And especially if you're wearing a hoodie, right? Oh, there yeah. it is. You know, and automatic, it, you're up to trouble, right? I thought that he was the one who did this thing around the corner. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, he's the only black person that happens to be around, right? So, yeah. That, you know, we know that TV shows, you know, they're, they're very much part of the stereotyping, and we have to see that change completely um we have to richly get into the communities where there are so many gangs and where kids and automatically you know at a certain age bought into the gang and they feel like there is no option and they can't even get out of the gang we need to get into that as well you know the problems isn't only just in the racism it's also in what is going on in the system right at the root at the home and uh, in the schooling system and in the job system i mean everything needs to be put on the There's table right now and it needs to be cleaned yes. hygiened i was saying to someone this morning i said you know i wish i i, I can't fully articulate it but I, I don't know and i don't know how i could get it started but i really wish there was a practice of um black medicine that was integrative that dealt with the um the stresses that affect um the environmental racism that affects all the things that uh don't get cared for and taken and taken care of um, that are racism. actually racist ways of of being um I don't know how, you know, it, I think it would take a lot for that specialty to come up and right. to be put together, but I really thought about it. It's things like, I was listening the other day about, uh, to a story about, um, um, there's a train that goes through Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. They passed a law that it can't blow its horn in the white neighborhoods when it goes through, but when <laughs> and you could hear it blowing 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 so the kids are getting broken up sleep all night because the trains are coming through the black kids and and waking them up but there's a law preventing the train from blowing its horn in the white neighborhoods that it goes through. yeah no, no, this is uh, like that we've yeah. got to stop stuff yeah. like we've got to stop stuff like that and we've got to not say okay Oh, I don't want to talk to that person anymore because while wow, she talks about that thing, you know, I don't want to deal with that. Oh, that's politics or, 
or that was a you know what life is political yes it is everything is baseline politics isn't it everything in life rules regulations perceptions and and when you just it's completely being miscued um i mean the fight for for equality has been 400 years with black people right um i mean six it was 1619 right so you know it has been since then i mean it wasn't that long ago that um, uh, the law to not lynch was there. And, you know, you've got your Ku Klux Klan and everything else. I mean, America is a big country. Well, it's a huge melting calling, pot. People are calling what was done to George Floyd a public lynching. Yeah. But that was literally a public lynching. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about post-traumatic stress, the young girl that was filming it, feeling powerless to do anything, filming all eight hours of that. Um, she's, you know, compo- completely in trauma now, and you can't blame her. You can't blame all the people that even watch it because you are literally seeing a person's life snuffed out in front of you by the police who are meant to be the servant protectors of the community. And I think that's there uh, had to be such outrage in order to get the other three charged. Yes, yes. I don't think even he oh. would have been charged had there not been an outrage. What do you think, Erica? I, I mean, I, I saw that the other day. They're like, how many months did it take? Mm. And I, that that was another gut punch. But I want to share something else that kept popping into my brain while you two were talking about the uh, the brutality. And then we have this history, and we have this time. I, we really we really need to back integration better of the police force of more mm. representation. Mm-hmm. Because my nephew, one of my four brilliant, beautiful nephews, is a police officer. I can't think of the worst possible place to be at this point in time. Yeah. You're hated on all sides. No one's got your back. You're supposed to be in the brotherhood, but it's the good old boy network. He's but split. He's in a very good force where he is. I'm scared for the black police officers because you know that there are white police officers who are just hating on them. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there are departments that are trying to... Um, Clean up the act, but... The ones who yeah. are, I mean, who are walking with the protesters. Yes. You know, I am really glad to hear these stories about that happening. But Taking so, the knee. Well, if you saw the guys in the army. It's not you know, the department. No, it isn't. But you saw um, these guys in the army say, we can't move. And the people say, we're being here pro- protesting calmly. You know, uh, what are you doing here? And the guys say, we can't leave our orders or to be here. But she got them to take a knee and everybody in, in there took a knee. And you've got uh, several other police people going around with, um, you know, with the, the peaceful marches and saying this is because there's a lot of police people out there that are saying, we're sick and tired of this because the whole police force gets painted with the brush. Right. Mm-hmm. All of the police are violent. All of them they are murderers. Right. Clean up. Yeah. Un- you, have, you have police unions, powerful police unions that are protecting bad police officers yeah, and that's and that's the bad ones are giving yeah the bad ones are causing that wide brush to be painted and until they do something about the bad ones it's this is just the way that it's going to be and we're actually seeing that for certain uh, police you know saying um no i'm i'm not standing behind those police i'm not saying i do not condone what they're doing i do not tolerate what they're doing you know i'm here with my community yes please I want to give a, a shout out to our leadership in Atlanta because uh, Mayor Bottoms and also uh, Captain Erica Shields, they're not putting up with any nonsense. You notice that the two gentlemen, I say that word very loosely, 
the two police officers, or I should say former police officers who busted the window of the two students and tased them were African-American. But guess what? Captain Shields was like, and your butts are being fired. Your same treatment. Yeah. No, no favoritism. You're treating our people like crap. Out yep. you go. Yes. I love that. Yes. It we should be based on the action, not on the color, right? We just got to have the backs of yes. the folks that they're supposed to be serving. Yes. Right. Those are our, our public servers. Mm. Torture and terrorize. Yes. Oh, I mean, you know, you, you, an awful lot of police. And I'm thinking back to a time in South Africa. Uh, um, I rem you had to hitch a lot because we just didn't really have great transportation. And uh, there's a police car over there and this guy comes in quickly and he just shouts, we get in the car now. And it just something about him that just said, get in the car. And I did. And he said, those police back there, you know, they were Afrikaners. Um, but he said, they will rape you and then pull you into jail as a, as a prostitute, right? And you, it doesn't matter if you're white or whatever color you are, they're cops, they're wearing a uniform and you're not, so therefore they're right. And that is still the same mentality in the police force. I'm wearing a uniform, I've got a gun, Right, I'm right. You're wrong. You're going to. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. I'm not going to listen to anything, and that thuggish, bullyish mentality has to be deleted across the board. Yeah, thug. That's I kind of and yes, and we'll see this definitely. You can call it political, whatever you want. I really, I'm disturbed that we are being led by a thug. Yes. And a bully. Really and a bully. And a narcissist. And a few other things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's just, you know, I kind of feel like, okay, yeah, let me at him. You want to be, you want to be a thug? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I can tell you though, that we can tell you, you know, for having done some wonderful narcissistic shows, you go to him and you try and appeal or you try and educate it's like what I was saying about in what I call the bleach society. There is absolutely no way you will make a difference in his thinking because his thinking is about him. Oh yeah. How does he look? What's his survival? There is no empathy, no compassion, and there is no care for anyone outside of who can serve him. I, I'm, I'm so sad about the state of our country at this time. We have had no leadership for three years. Yeah. Three, you know, we have just, we've had three and a half years. We've had no leadership at all. You've had, you've had chaos. Um, as the Cameroon Huglis. Yeah. He's been, he's been like getting his left and right. Yeah. How well, he's, he's a dictator he, wannabe. How many times has he shared his, his, you know, he's fired this one that, I mean, seriously, on, on HR payroll alone, how much has it costed <laughs> us for every yes. single person he keeps firing and then hiring? Well, right. not alone. We are probably we're like in the Dutch. Anything in this country. It's like we've been standing still for three and a half years. Yeah. So many things have not and been And he's just been dissecting things one after the other. Undoing what Obama did. So, no, but it's all Obama's fault. Don't you know that? Just, oh, oh, I right? love that. Yeah, it's all Obama's fault. You know, everything Obama, is his Obama. fault. Obama is showing more leadership of this country. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But, I mean, you know, it's... it's um, it, it kind of reminds me even of my husband once blaming me for his birth and he was four years older than me. You know, it's that ridiculous, you know, and it's, uh, and, and, you know, with Obama, it, it's, he kind of would love to have the same love and the same 
power that Obama had. But when you're a bully, when you're a thug, when you're a narcissist, you cannot, and, and a dictator wannabe, you cannot rule and, and have the love of the people for the love of the people is when they respect you when they uh, are grateful for what you're doing for them, when they know that you're standing by them. Where was he after the shooting? Where was he? Yeah, his thing is then when he, when he, he resorts shooting to the killing. And, oh, yeah. both sides were, were culpable mm. in this. Mm. You know, uh, yeah. I, I just, I, I, honestly, I, I don't listen to a lot of things. I, I, my, media consumption is extremely low. Uh, I decided that it was better for me and the health of my writing, uh, my life, uh, and just my physical health. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we, we've, we've addressed that a lot on the shows of the stress that, the, that he yeah. has caused over the last three years. Um, and and um, I watched Colbert and The Daily Show. That's the only way I can have anything about it because if we can't laugh, we're going to go mad. And I'm Canadian for Christ's sake. And I get worked up over this. <laughs> I watch it sometimes, but mostly like I, um, um, uh, took my opera Um, Oh, this is terrible. I just forgot his name. Comic. The, the, um, the, da the daily show. Oh, oh, Trevor Noah. I love Trevor him. Noah. Yes. I so I listened to Trevor Noah's podcast on yes. second thought. Mm -hmm. I listened to his podcast. It's a wonderful podcast series. It's on Luminary. You mm -hmm. don't have it. So I listened to his podcast. He's usually on there with his friend, um, David. And uh, so I listened to that. Um, sometimes I go back and I'll catch, you know, the daily on the YouTube and look at that. Um, and then other times, honestly, I've just, the daily newspaper and taking all those things in, I'm like, no, I need to surround myself with good music yes. and good health and exercise. Solutions and calmness and, and care, peace. Yeah. Care of myself. I want to keep my character, Lori Leak, healthy and happy and out there and doing things and go planning where she's going. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, those are, and, and, you know, can I do cooperations? Erica, you and I should figure out something to do together. Mm -hmm. you know, collaborations. Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. You know, that, yeah, because of that, you know, that synergy will just, you know, exist. But as I say, you want to get your word out. You want to get these books out. You want to get them in the hands of children, hands of the parents. You want them in the library. You want the teacher mm -hmm. reading to the kids in school. You want this to be right. books that say, look, we represent you. We speak yeah. of you. We show you your possibilities. When nobody else is speaking to that, here are these books that are doing that. And, and that I don't is want so to be very the only important. book on the shelf like that. I don't want to be the only one yeah. like that. No, yeah. exactly. Go to the library to check it out because it's gone because it's the only one like that. I don't want Right, that. exactly. Exactly. So if it's in every school, if it's in, um, you know, well, uh, 15,000 books like that. Mm -hmm. yes. There's possibilities where there's yes. fantasy, where there's whimsy for us, for all kinds of kids. Um, I really wanted, I really wish that publishers would get on board with picking up our books. I mean, I don't know, have you been picked up by a publisher? No, I've, I've had an interesting road, and I want to talk about that later. <laughs> I've self-published both of my books because I really don't feel like having some white man tell me, oh, your book is worthless. 
Yeah. I'm not going through it. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I, but I can tell you also from, from there's very few publishers that yeah. actually do promotion of you. You may publish with them and they take so much of your, your money, um, but then you're still having to do everything. So you may as well self-publish and then make sure, I would say, instead of a publisher, get a publicist. Yes. So that's actually what I have been um, looking at is getting, uh, is getting a publicist. Um, so I get moving because I I'm have, getting on shows like me and able like to talk about the books, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Three more in the series in, that are in the pipeline, you know, ready to, um, to go. So yeah, so I'm just getting my illustrations done and, um, you know, and move forth from there. But it's you, you do your own illustrations, don't you, Eric? I take, my illustrations are digital. So right. I take photographs and then we digitize, color in, we add the character. So I take actual photographs of actual places mm. and nice. places and things. So for example, like covering um, Pesach, Passover, I'll take, I, what I will do, I'll have to do it next year because we couldn't have it this year, is I will take photographs of the actual, the plate and the people at a, say, a family or community Seder, and I will do it like that, and then we'll digitize it and fit the character in. Mm -hmm. um, and Erica, you do so, your own uh, illustration, don't you? Yeah, and I'm a bit of a traditionalist because I'm a late bloomer, so... Mm -hmm. I went to deep freeze for 20 years, came I out, still doing stuff. I don't have the talent. Otherwise, believe me, I would do the illustration. Oh, no, she's got the talent, which is wonderful. But, you know, that's um, because, you know, very often, you know, the words don't hit, but the pictures do. You know, mm -hmm. and the pictures open up the mind to want to know what the words are. You know, so it's, it's very, very important that it's not just words because some people can't hear. They need to see in order to hear. That's the thing that concerned me, Barrett, was when I was reading uh sarah um i was just finding this out recently i was reading on twitter for some reason i have a huge uk friend base of writers on twitter why not american i have no idea but i'm talking to them and and they gave me some horror stories of the beautiful words that they wrote they're going to the publisher the publisher goes they got pick up by a publisher they're like yay the publisher's like i'm gonna match you up with this illustrator and dude the yeah. illustrations just and they don't have a control over because the publisher is the one that picks the illustrator for them. I'm like, that's bad. Oh, no, that would just drive, that would just drive me crazy. So okay, crazy. So I'm good where keep, I am. Keep self publishing. Get a get a publicist. You could even get one together, and so they're representing both of you, yeah. and it'll be less okay. expensive. So there's um, an idea. There's mm -hmm. an, there, there's an open door. Yeah. yeah. I mean, most things in life. Someone said to me, you know, wow. You do this and you do this and you do this and you do this and you have to do that. And da, da, da. You know why? Because I've had to, because I had to learn something mm -hmm. myself. So that's why I have so many skills and gifts and talents here because yeah. I, to you won't be getting these shows if I couldn't do them. <laughs> if I hadn't learned them. <laughs> so, so here I am. I'll just, so that'll be the next thing. We'll get the public system. We'll get going here. Yeah. 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 Because oh, both of these books need to be out there. Sorry, Erica. Yeah, it reminds me of how Tuskegee Institute came to be. So if you ever read Up From Slavery, I hadn't read it. That thing, my family, part of my family was from Tuskegee. I read it like in my teens and I was like, what? Whoa, dad, you never told me that they didn't know how to even make bricks for the buildings. And dad was like, girl, sit down and read. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> but literally they built that school. The students that came to that school learned by doing. Yes. And it didn't, it didn't, just, it didn't sway them. 
because they believe no. in the vision of it. And so uh, it doesn't that, sway me that I'm learning as I go. No, and, and I actually learn better by doing. I do too. So, and then yeah. I also know what to expect once I'm able to afford to hire someone to be able to do that. I'm like, no, you can do that shorter and less expensive than that. I know because I've done it. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, exactly. That's just, you know, I, you know, you learn to do things because you have to. So I've learned, I'm not the, I don't believe in this. That's another trope is the strong black woman. No, I'm not strong black woman because that's your way of getting out of giving me what you should be giving mm. or doing what you should be doing. So don't yeah. pull the, Oh, you're such a strong woman. No, no I get that all the time. It doesn't mean I don't need help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you need to give me what I've asked you for or whatever it is I need or whatever you need to do the thing or whatever. But I mean, if I have to take care of something, you know, then I can take care of something. And, and when I do something, I do it well. So, yeah. So that's why, I mean, I've, I, you know, I wanted to write these children's books for the longest time. And then finally, I got to the point where I was like, okay, now is the time to do it. Now's the time to begin putting those out. And that's going to be for the rest of my life. That and um, I write children's books and, and it's interesting, COVID-19 has caused me to revive, not that I wasn't going to, but I was not really, I was wondering, okay, when and how, and what is it I really need to focus on? Because I have an idea that I want it to be about resilience and blah, blah, blah. Well, now COVID has come along and I have all these women, especially entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs coming to me and saying, I need to start my own business. How do I do it? And I'm really good at teaching women how to do that. I'm, I'm like an idea mama and helping them to get all the pieces together to pull together their business. And now, now finding ways to COVID proof it so that when COVID flares up again, or any of them, <laughs> they can still keep going. There will yes. be some shutdown for them. Right. Yeah. So the pandemic pivot. Really the being, pivot. being that person. No, sorry, Erica, what did you say? Oh, no, I was so excited about what she said. I was like, idea mama. And then I was like, I call that the pandemic pivot. Because that's what I had to do. Because I do pet portraits. And then like, come on, ain't nobody think about no pet portraits. They just got to let them go from their job. I was uh -huh. like, dang, what am I going to do? Hmm? Oh, I can teach art online to kiddos. Because they're all, yes. they're all freaked yes. out. And their well, for me, it wasn't out. even a pivot. It was, it was basically a kick in the butt to, okay, you were supposed to, you were supposed to start coaching aspiring entrepreneurs and current business owners and so that they can get through this and stay strong through this because I take approach an approach of um, not just the business and okay we need to get you a publicist and we need you need to do this and you know, okay we're gonna get you some your website and blah 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 and here's your ideas and your your you know unique selling points and products and blah 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 but coaching them on staying strong no Everything. matter what, no matter what's thrown at you. They can keep making it, keep right. doing it. Yeah. And, and, and with women, we know that we're, we may be running a business, but we've also got our spiritual mm -hmm. and our emotional selves to be dealing with. And that's what I'm able to do. And deal also with. the external crap. <laughs> yeah. So we've got, we've got a whole bunch of things to deal so with. Balancing it. Yeah. yeah. So in helping, the helping women to be resilient. Yeah. So I've really... Yeah, that's, so I'm, I'm so really on, on that note, let everybody know how they can get hold of you for that. And also um, your yeah. books, how they can find those. And then I'll um, go over to you, Erica. The books are at Lori Leak, L-O-R-I-L-E-A-K.com. Um, 
And the coaching is at my website, which is just Barrett, and it's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-C is in cat, Powell, P is in popcorn, O is in Oscar, W as in whiskey, E is in echo, L is in Lima, L is in Lima.com. BarrettCPowell.com. And you can find me there for the coaching. And I think I've posted it if I, have, if I didn't send it up that I mean, things are just going to start going bam, bam, bam on the site where I'm basically putting together um, some two courses um, uh, that are basically around resilience, coaching courses. They're around resilience and they're based on one of my favorite authors and two of her poems. So this is really... What's the name, Erica wants I'm to waiting. know. <laughs> What's the yeah, favorite author? I am basing, this is this, basically what I'm doing with these courses is now coming from a background as I was an ordained minister when I was a Christian. Okay. So basically through these courses and my personality, I am basically laying it down for you preaching on Maya Angelou, on mm -hmm. one on Phenomenal Woman and one on Still I Rise. Okay. Right. Yeah. So this, yeah. Is, this is what these courses are. Right. So you're empowering the, the entrepreneurial soul and spirit. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Erica, my darling, how do they get hold of your book and, and, um, and, all, and all that you're doing right now? First of all, let me just tell you, Barry, I'm following you on Instagram now, girl. <laughs> yes, I'm on it. Like, anytime. Yeah, like, you I love you do need a conversation. You do. I'm already yeah. on there. I'm liking all the things. I'm like, heart, 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 heart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm working on unifying my branding. But right now, you can find me on social media in two places. You can find the Little Bayou Fairy has its own little Facebook page called Little Bayou Fairy. And you'll know it immediately because you'll see her in her little gear. She's got her little wings out. If you don't see her little wings, that's not her. <laughs> also, on Twitter and on Instagram, I'm create what you wish. C-R-E, number eight, what you wish. Very easy. Again, you're going to see that little fairy again. She pops up every day on her. I want to give a shout out to the authors who I've illustrated for, in particular, Carl Wright Jukes, who wrote A No, Don't Day. It's a beautiful book about an African-American woman that's not even central to the story. She's trying to guide her son on why she says don't to him so much. Oh. It's a beautiful book. Carla wrote the most lovely story. It's loving. It's got a great message. And people have written in saying, hey, we had a No, Don't Day at our house. We mm -hmm. did a day with no don'ts whatsoever. And this is what happened. <laughs> It's very beautiful, and I, I made sure in illustrations that I showed a normal family. What? Shocker. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Not we, eating weird food. Just weird things. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we brushed our teeth too? Yeah. Okay. So, a uh, no, don't date. If he oh, like us. What? <laughs> yeah. I'm blown. And uh, so, Carla wrote, wrote the book. I illustrated. That was the first one. That was my first baby. The second baby is going to come out. It's called Slora by Lisette Perry. Again, I don't know. This stuff keeps happening. Oh. Puerto Rican grandmother. Okay. Abuela. And it's a story within a story. And it's a lovingly told story. So oh, Lisette, yeah. and that's about to pop any day now. I'm stumbling over one last thing I'm trying to get to the publisher tonight. And then it's done. I'll let you guys know. But you can go to LisettePerry.com. You can see all that information there. You can follow Flora on, I think it's under Lisette Perry author on Instagram and on Twitter. 
And the last but not least, my book, Little Bio Fairy, littlebiofairy.com. Those of us who are spelling challenged, L-I-T-T-L-E. Right. You Bio. know, I have a place that I want Lori Leak to travel to. <clears throat> I'd like you to come with me when I go there to, to take some photos. I think Lori Leak should should visit Gullah country. Oh, girl. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, yes, I agree. What well, I'm going to thank you both for being here today. Um, I mean, we've we've covered this. a great deal and, you know, shaken a few things up, you know, invited the change. Um, we can do this through just being aware, opening up our hearts, our minds and our spirits and, and making sure that you know that we're there for you and uh, be part of that change. It's not going to happen overnight. It has to be persistent. And to get these books out there and, you know, read them to your own children, read them to your white children. And to show them African-American kids and can go do parents. things to black, black parents. Children. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. School and children. children. Absolutely. And the whole thing is, is that the more we get it out there, the more we start in seeding, um, you know, the, the possibilities, the opportunities and the perception. And it's going to take a time. We've got to be patient, but we've got to be persistent and we've got to be open and willing to, to shift our whole uh, perspective. And I want to thank you, Sarah, for being an Bingo. ally. <laughs> I want to thank you for being an ally. In the Always. Whole time, you know, in the years that I have known you, you have been such a support, and I really, truly appreciate that. I love what you're both doing. And my, you, job, my job is a knowledge sharer, just to get it out there so people can actually share it and, and uh, learn from it and love it and uh, you know, benefit from it because that's what it's all about. That is what it is all about. So um, folks, uh, don't forget to come back to the posting and you can just put in either one of their names and it will lead to the shows that they've done with, uh, with me. And please go back and listen to them as well. There's a lot more conversation going on in different directions. Their why of they're doing what they're doing and who it benefits and uh, thank you both of you ladies for coming and sharing and being so open and candid today thank, thank you sarah and thank you barrett yeah thank both you, of you thank you very much until next time folks remember open your mind open your heart be willing to learn be willing to try new directions don't assume ask until next time bye for now we hope you enjoyed the show we look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.